With a Bachelor in Design from Yale University in Lisbon, in his early 20s, Rui Quinta described himself as a type freak. While still studying, he worked for several communication agencies, mostly as a designer. At the age of 24, his entrepreneurial spirit, nurtured in part by his fishmonger parents, led Rui to open a graphic design business with friends, which he led for around three years. Then, a pivotal question changed his trajectory. Why focus solely on aesthetics? This prompted him to delve into strategic branding beyond beautiful logos and eventually design thinking, an approach that applies design principles to diverse problems and domains. To study this discipline more intimately, Rui packed his bag and flew to Berlin, where he attended the D-School, a design thinking institute for over a year. After that, he tells us, he insisted he wanted to work at IDEO, and he did, briefly, an experience that didn't turn out as expected, paradoxically motivating him to open a few businesses in Portugal. Co-founded in 2011, Toinu playfully sold card animals and later pivoted to designing spaces. Peixaria Centenaria, co-founded in 2013, was a fish shop that artfully rewrote the narrative of his family business tradition for younger generations. And finally, With Company, co-founded in 2014, a transformative design company that does a bunch of cool, multidisciplinary projects in Portugal and beyond. With a mind that marries contemplation with action, stillness with movement, fun with responsibility, I invited Hui to listen more about the experiences and mental models that infused his character with the curiosity, the playfulness, and the humility he embodies. I think I explored so many things. I had so much fun. I met so many uh, incredible people. I, I took risks, you know, and, and, and I think in the end, it's really interesting that in the middle of all of these things, I find a criteria that it's kind of using the heart as, as a mechanism of thinking. I'm Carlota Gitch, and this is The Waking Youth Podcast. I like to start, you know, when you meet someone, when you start empathizing with them, there's, and particularly with all the content that there's online today that we share, there's words, concepts that stand out from looking at your stuff online. And, you know, the ones that stood out for me, for your profile, they were quite a few. I'll just mm. throw them and just see mm. what they spark in you, okay? So, provocation, mm -hmm. play, mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. creativity. Mm -hmm. You're writing them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Chaos, chaos and curiosity, okay? There, there are a lot of words. Okay. Just feel them. Maybe they mean something to you. And, and I like to start by grounding things in a little bit of personal history. So in this, in the context of these words, if I ask you, where would you trace back the roots of your interest in, in, in these terms? And, and let's start with, with one entrepreneurship. I did some research mm -hmm. and I discovered that you were selling pine nuts very early on. So. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and the roots of your interest in entrepreneurship and maybe creativity, which is very connected? Yeah, I think, it, well, where is that? 
<laughs> that, that it's in some podcast that you just okay. randomly shared about the finance. Oh, wow. No, I think the roots come from, you know, from, from my, my, the influence of my family. You know, my grandparents, they had companies. My parents, they always, you know, had their own business. And I think that's, that's part of the story. Like, I think you get inspiration from, from that because you see the example and then you maybe want to replicate, uh, even if it's not something that it's too conscious, like you want to replicate that, uh, that example. And I remember having a lot of conversations, uh, like even with my cousin, like we should open a home appliances store or a restaurant or like having these conversations when I was really, really young. And yes, like I had this uh, stupid idea of, you know, I had pine trees uh, in my, you know, where I lived with my parents for, for a long time. And I would, you know, catch the, uh, these pine nuts and I would go uh, on the side of the road to try to sell them, which was uh, a ridiculous idea. But um, why, why you know. said it was ridiculous? No, I, I don't know. It just feels like it was. What was I, I doing? I, I think it was just fun to to yeah. be honest. Like you, you just you're just playing with your cousin. Like he's the same age as as I am. So at the time we were just trying to probably, you know, uh, do something with our uh, time, and we decided to go on the side of the road and making people stop and asking if they were interested in buying that. Uh, I think we we didn't succeed it, but I think that that was just uh, the story behind it. So I would trace the route back to my parents probably, but also going a little bit forward, I think it's interesting because I had some experiences working for other people, mm -hmm. working for other companies. And there would, you know, there's just these moments where you think you, know, you can do things differently, like you need more space to create and to make mistakes. And uh, you always imagine that you can do things in a different way. So I always have that feeling that Yeah, I, I think I was in denial for some time, um, okay. like wanting to work for big companies and big design companies. And it simply didn't work. Like I really tried in, in a couple of them. Like it worked for me in smaller companies where I had more autonomy. Like, I could, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would love to design things and I would love to be in contact with the client. And every, and every time that happened, I was happy with that. You know, not only designing behind the screen, but actually inter interacting with uh, uh, with mm -hmm. clients. Yeah. And, but then I, I think I always felt uh, a little bit constrained uh, mm -hmm. when working for, for, for bigger companies. There's two questions there. And, and mm -hmm. going back a little bit into the, the personal history, more the childhood and growing up. Um, because one thing is entrepreneurship and another thing is creativity. And I see that you're mm -hmm. also very much... I don't know if this is correct, but I see that in your high school you have art. I don't know if you went to, if it was focused in mm. art. Was yeah, it focused it was in art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, so, it was, it was. And, and then you also talk about when it was the time to pick your bachelor, you were choosing between design and art. And so for me, it's curious because they're somewhat related, the part of the creativity and the entrepreneurship. For you, are they related? I, I don't know if I would probably use another word. It was never... Like if I would have to pick a word, I would probably pick the word play or mm. that it's related in a certain way with chaos and creativity together, <laughs> because for me, it was never conscious. Mm. Like what I feel today is that some of the important decisions I took in my life were were not that conscious. Like I was not, you know, looking and evaluating if it's going to be this way or that way, or I think it was just a feeling that, you know, maybe it's this way. 
But it's not that I was thinking about that too much. I, I feel today that I lived a lot mm-hmm. with my feelings and I interacted with the world with feelings, with laughter, with hugs, with uh, closeness and proximity to other people and to mm-hmm. my family, to my friends. I just wanted to play, to be honest. I wanted to, to you know, play, to play music football, as well, and play music also and mm-hmm. to discover new things. And and yes, when I had to enter high school, I don't even remember the the moment where I like probably I just said, okay, I think I'm going to arts because yeah. I had the intuition that maybe I will be freer, you know, like um, a freer? sense of freedom. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, no, no, yeah, it is. Uh, but I'm curious as to why it's a word for you. Why is it an important word for you, freedom? Yeah, I I, I think it relates uh, also with the idea of exploration. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're playing, you're not attached to. You're just playing. Like you, you know, I have this. Uh, like I wrote like this this presentation a long time ago. I think about ten years ago for, mm-hmm. uh, for a conference in Saragossa that was talking about what we were as kids, how our past influences what we are going to do next. When I think about the memories I have uh, when I was a kid, and all of us, maybe all of us, Mm -hmm. it's this sense of just being connected with others and not thinking about your next move and not being strategic about things and not being consistently, you know, thinking and overthinking uh, things. And suddenly your prefrontal cortex develops and then <laughs> and then it's yeah. it's it, it becomes something totally, totally different. But I felt that for a long time I was really, really just trying to not trying in a conscious way, but uh-huh. just engaging with the world in a maybe freer yeah. way. Okay. And and do you think that throughout your adult life you're because that's very present in the work that you do and you always challenge people in that way. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, the, this play is a repetitive theme in your talks and, and in your in your work. So do you think you kept this play throughout your life or you also lost a bit touch with it? I'm curious. Yeah, I think I kept it. Mm-hmm. It's something that I see myself a lot of times saying my teams and the people who work with me, you know, like you should, like, you know, just feel free, explore, like don't, don't feel constrained in this particular moment. And, and that's actually something that relates with creativity because I, I started studying a lot about creativity and reading a lot about how to have ideas and the best way to have ideas. And, and then you start understanding the mechanisms behind, mm-hmm. you know, the, the behind good ideas on how to get to good ideas. And it's not that it's always fun, but even in in the in a particular process when you are designing something, when you are thinking about something, there should be particular moments where you you need to feel at ease to create and to explore and to make mistakes and to go other places, unexpected places. I still try to bring that aspect to to work and to the mm-hmm. projects I do. Actually, I see this. It's interesting because I also see. Sometimes I give this example that uh, my wife uh, married me because she married 10 guys, 10 different people. Uh-huh. I used to say this because it's like I have different characters. Sometimes I wake up with a different accent and sometimes I, I'm a different person every day, which is uh, difficult to to, <laughs> to live with sometimes. But she says it's fun because it's always different. So it's never she never gets tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I see kind of my companies, even talking about with company or talking about Toino or other projects that I'm developing at this moment, I see them as kind of one part of that hui, one part of that if like a different side uh, of myself. So 
I see with company as the my against uh things side you know it's like you have to go against that like we have to think differently from a different perspective you know always try to look at things from a different way in a different way and toino for example was my playful uh <laughs> the hyperbolic side and that's what i bring to those businesses it's not that those businesses are hui, they're not they're yeah. <laughs> everybody's businesses <laughs> uh but I, I bring a different side, or I try to bring a different side to each one of these each one of these projects. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't know you personally. Well, I'm meeting you now, hopefully one day in person. But but there's some there's some contradictions here, which are not because in the end we're human and we integrate all of those complexities. But I see that when you're on stage, you're very provocative. And you're making people think and question things and also take action and action and, and learning by doing and doing seems very important to you. And then in other places, you, you describe yourself as a quiet guy that likes to spend time just relaxing and chilling and reflecting and reading, you know, so there's this also of the doing and the reflecting, the extroversion and the introversion. So it's interesting to see that. It seems like I have uh, find an answer uh, to that, which is the middle. Yeah, I think a lot about that. You know, I'm always in extremes or this uh, hyperbolic side, or being a little bit pessimistic and being optimistic, or being in one side and one another side. So it always feels that the like the answer is in the middle, mm-hmm. which sometimes it's it, it doesn't help you uh, to be honest. Like it doesn't help you take decisions, but it feels like the role of 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 me as a designer is also that you know it's trying to find a balance between all of these um all of these extremes mm-hmm. yeah but i identify myself with that yeah. like have a, finding myself in different uh in different places i think that's also a mode of thinking to be mm-hmm. honest like it's not all, only you know me being this or that i think it's a mode of thinking mm-hmm. i've been working with a lot of strategists working with a lot of people and i think that that's the way I live, but that also the way I think about things, you know, I try to put uh, things in perspective and, you know, looking a little bit at those extremes and then trying to find what happens in the middle. And then there's other people who think in matrices, you know, like they do like a crossing and then they, you know, they find a way to get things together. There's people who think in layers, people who think in, um, in, in more projective and mm-hmm. and and timefulness uh, ways, for example, and I think I use this idea of a line and idea of a spectrum, uh, where I try to find the balance, you know, between zero and ten in most of the most of the decisions that I take or most of the things that I think about. It's yeah. a mode of thinking when I'm trying to solve something. Yeah, I I read somewhere also that you we were talking about this idea of the line and the spectrum in the context of optimism and pessimism. And yeah. It was so beautifully put that it's not a position; it's a point of view, mm-hmm. and you can change. <laughs> and changing that will ac- actually bring insights that you wouldn't have if you were not moving in that spectrum. That's very beautiful. Yeah, and that gives it's the best argument for you not to sit mm-hmm. in one particular place. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm, it's okay to change. I think it's okay. You're you're a different person every day, every year. So I think in a way, it's good that you don't stick to a permanent position when you have to think about something. So mm-hmm. having a spectrum, it means also that you can move to the left or to the right or up and down. 
and you, and you can you can consider other positions and you consider other opinions and you consider the other and you consider your own position when thinking about something and i think that reflection was interesting because i was like it even depends on the day i was telling about that i think in, in that particular day i woke up you just read the newspaper and it's only there's not one one positive thing on the newspaper i was feeling mm-hmm. a little bit depressed maybe i don't know and i just positioned myself in the in the pessimism but again but i look at you know um it's not that it happens every day but it happens a lot you know like being uh, a little bit more pessimistic about things but i yeah but it was a uh, uh, it was interesting for me to 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 think about that as a point of view like i i stay here because it's like i have a blank page in front of me you know like if i um there's a book I, what's the name of the book i think it's uh, uh learning to die in the anthropocene and it has this you know pessimistic perspective that we are on our way to extinction mm-hmm. but he uses that as a as an inspiration point mm-hmm. for you to to have a different life or to to think kind of about a memento mori yeah. realize your own death and from there yeah 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 and, and from there it feels like you can be a little bit at ease and you know not not contributing to make things worse but actually you know to enjoy your time and to give what you have best to give Man, I think that's an interesting perspective, to be honest. Um, and it, it's not that I have it every day, mm-hmm. but again, when I'm feeling a little bit more pessimistic, I see that as a good thing because yeah. it's like having a, bl- a blank page. I think we did an exercise. We we do we did an exercise with company when the pandemics hit, you know, and we were feeling that you know people were a little bit broken. You know, like you 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 are not attached to anything because your real your reality suddenly transformed. Like mm-hmm. everybody. Like you're not working as you usually work. You're not eating as you typically eat. Like you're locked in your home. So you are like, it's everything is new from the beginning. So it feels like a really interesting place to think about the future, right? So because what limits you to think about the future, it's actually your present reality and your connections and the things that you read and the things that you know and the system and the way it in- interacts with you and the way you interact with it. And if the system in a way is broken mm-hmm. and that happened with, uh, uh, with the pandemics, I think it's also a good opportunity. Like everything was so bad at that moment was so strange at that moment that it's a good opportunity for you to think about what the future uh, can be. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to explore a little bit more of your path. You know, I see here that at 24, you start your first business that evolves from a sort of collective of freelancers. Am I correct? Yeah, I was I was studying at that time and I was working at a company as a small design company. And I, I, I left my place around, you know, six in the afternoon and I felt, yeah, I think I can do more. I think I can... So I decided to rent uh, this space in Santush and I asked some other friends to join me at that moment. The name, I, I think I can share the name with you because it's so ridiculous and fun, uh, which is Three Lancers and not Freelancers. Three, three Lancers. <laughs> <laughs> we were three people. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, but we had this place where we got together and we started, you know, finding some projects, some freelance projects. We would work together in designing spaces, designing brands, designing mm-hmm. magazines, and 
and we asked other people and we invited other people to join us for for some projects and mm -hmm. and that thing actually became a company some like one or two years after us setting setting mm -hmm. up camp at uh, in Santos here in mm -hmm. in Lisbon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's a uh, yeah, yeah. Google. I'm curious at that point because you did you worked a little bit in in communication agencies before did you had it present already that you wanted to start your own business or it was just something that sort of happened when it happened because you were just going with the flow of life no i had a i had this feeling that i would end up uh designing a design company and okay. owning a design company i think i i think i knew that I just wanted to have experience before that and to learn from others before yeah. that happened. So actually it happened at the same time, like I was working and designing my own mm -hmm. company, but I had this feeling that I was, you know, a starter. Uh, you know, I remember being provocative in university and designing posters with a friend of mine to provoke people into thinking about things. And, and I remember going Uh, you know, it was really funny in the in my university because there was like the design people and the marketing people, and there was the conference of the university that was uh, marketed by the marketeers and designed by the marketeers. And I was like, why are yeah. the marketeers doing the design of this conference? And I, I remember going, you know, up there to and telling them like, I want to do this because I'm a designer. So and designers should be, you know, thinking about design. So I, I always had this, you know, kind of proactive way of looking at things and mm -hmm. trying to provoke people in mm -hmm. thinking about things. And there was a moment where I, I was afraid of showing my work. Uh, like I was embarrassed. Hmm. I don't, I'm not going to show this to anyone, you know, in high school, my art stuff, like huh. I, I wouldn't, I never shared, like I was really, really ugh, like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And suddenly I started sharing uh, bits of things and I started exploring, you know, things a little bit more related with design. And I felt I can learn so much, you know, it's like, I have to be ready to take it. You know, I have to be ready to, to listen to what people have to say. It's not that it's not good enough. Like maybe it's not good enough and that's okay, but I need to ask people, mm -hmm. you know, why is this not good enough or what they yeah. think about it. So I think there was this moment, I, I don't remember where it happened, but it uh -huh. was really important that that moment happened in, you know, when I when I decided to, to start showing my work, to promote it, to talk with people, to ask for opinions. I think at the beginning in a personal basis, you know, mm -hmm. conversations. And after that, you know, building my first and personal website after finishing um, when I was still in my university, I was one of the few designers who had who actually had a website, you know, like a personal website. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, and I think that shows a little bit that willingness to share the work, even if the work is not perfect, like you want to share, you want to talk about the process mm -hmm. and you want to, you want to listen to what people mm -hmm. say about it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to go through your social media profiles, LinkedIn as well, uh, mm. and you you share not only the work that you're doing, also some reflections. There's one mm. particular post on LinkedIn that you talk about that you I think you 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 make this confession and provocation to people about this idea of the promotion of superheroes in our society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you also seem a, a bit critical of of mm -hmm. the social media landscape and the intentions behind the social media landscape, the, the people that are running these things. And you you touched on the word uh, personal branding. You, you you talk about having creating your website. 
So, you know, as someone who is very curious about a lot of things, but I know that you're into psychology and anthropology and sociology, and you have talked multiple times about some concerns that you have, how do you sit with this, you know, on one hand, sharing these things because you feel inspired, I, I suppose, to share them, but also not falling into the over-promoting yourself and portraying a certain idea of who you are and how successful you are and that participating in the game of comparison and so on. Have you thought about this? What's your, what's your view on this? I don't know if something, maybe it's not a theme for you at all. I think one of the first things that I can say is that I always use social media as a space to learn. You know, it's like being in a social context where you, you're there because you're learning about what's happening in there. So I always, uh, I had that, you know, with Facebook, I had that with previous platforms that were here before Facebook. So I, I'm still present in those platforms because I want to learn how people, why people are using it, you know, and how can I use it? And I am a different persona also in those spaces. I don't know if you realize that, but, you know, like if I look at Instagram and LinkedIn, they're totally different. But even when you had Facebook and, and Instagram, it was it was two different things for I was exploring mm -hmm. different parts of myself. And so I see that also as a, a platform to explore different uh, different personas. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the the interesting point of view of of the of of the question you posed. I really don't like the idea of a superhero. I really don't identify myself with that. Mm -hmm. I'm really critical about uh, unicorns. I'm really critical about uh, monopolies. I'm really critical about, you know, always taking the best examples as the examples that you should follow because I think it really, really creates a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety in everybody. And I, I don't think that's helpful, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I really don't think that that's helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Because it it just it just puts pressure on you to be something when knowing that only zero point zero zero one one percent of people will get there, and I don't think it works mm -hmm. to be honest. But um, relating this with the type of material that I share, what I try to do is to be honest about mm -hmm. things. I would say. I think on a particular, like on Instagram, for example, I, I, I think I can be honest saying that that's the life I wanted to have every day. I think your question was so interesting and it seems like I'm No, you're answering, around. you're answering. It was about this idea mm -hmm. of, of social media, how, how you use them in more conscious ways mm -hmm. because you feel inspired to share and to get feedback and to make people think, but also not in such a way that you're trying to portray yourself as a superhero. Yeah. And participating it's, 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 in the over-promotional culture, essentially. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about the type of things even, I'm sorry that it seems a little bit, you know, I don't know, not interesting to talk about this, but I'm thinking like, what do I share on Instagram? You know, and I share, it's like a diary for me, to be honest. Like I, mm -hmm. it's like I have a place where I put photos of, of my of travel and the beauty I, I see, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a, a camera since I was 14 every day. I take pictures of everything since I was 14. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of a continuation of that. It's a, a place where I share things that I find interesting and beautiful, but it's also a place where I sometimes share some uh, wording, like some texts that I write uh, for a long time now that are hidden in the blog mm -hmm. that nobody knows about yeah. because it's locked and I'm afraid of sharing that because it's mm. maybe too ridiculous and too experimental and maybe that breaks a little bit the 
you know this this uh, I don't know it's 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 contradictory. Um, yeah, but I, but sometimes I use it also as you know a way of I'm going to share this text and see what happens, you know, yeah. to see if it resonates because it's it's abstract, but at the same time it's experimental. So let's see what people say about this if they think I'm going crazy or yeah. or what. But I think it's a place where I also experiment, you know, pieces of content yeah. and the way people interact with those pieces of content, and I think it's interesting in a way to to see how it mm-hmm. how it works. You know, I I won't ask you, I think there's plenty of podcasts and talks as well that you talk about your work in your companies in Pacharia Centenaria that closed recently, Mm. more or less. Toinu, that is also super interesting and how you pivoted entirely and and with company. What I would like to ask you, because you you shared publicly as well that part of the reason why you closed Pacharia was... Because you reflected and you were reflecting together in of the impact of the business in the environment. And this is a recurrent theme of yours, the environmental awareness and the social awareness and consciousness. Conscious is a word that you use a lot too. And I know also, or I, I assume that there's a particular reality of a design firm that collaborates with clients that you have to be financially sustainable, right? Uh, And so I'm just curious, how do you sit with this theme of environmental and social awareness in your other companies? How do you sit with this? I I won't speak for you. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting the connection you make with Pacharia. I think that's one reason, but there's different reasons that there's a like a pyramid full of arguments that led me to close Pacharia. But I think that's one, that's one that was part of a lot of conversations we had here at home with uh, with my wife. She was a partner at the, at the fish shop. And we had a lot of conversations about that, uh, about that, that, that throughout the years, about participating in that. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, that was just one of the reasons. And now it's, now it's easy as an argument, you know, to, mm to connect that with the idea of degrowth, you know, like you can be, I'm still trying to discover if this is a story that I'm telling because it's nice, Mm -hmm. or if this is a story that is actually true. And maybe there's a connection between these things. So I'm, I'm really trying still to fine tune uh, the honesty in this, uh, in this particular part, but, you know, studying about degrowth and talking about degrowth and talking about being an entrepreneur or being someone who owns companies, who builds things, but it's okay to close them if you're not doing as good as you think, if you're getting tired, if you're getting exhausted, mm-hmm. uh, it's okay to close things. I think mm-hmm. it's okay to go against what people expect from you as business people. You know, they expect you to sell things. They expect you to make a lot of money. They expect you to do whatever, um, you know, it's in the books. And for me, it's also interesting to look back now after almost two years now of closing the fish shop that it's kind of growing on me also that idea that, yeah, I also wanted to close it because maybe there was too much, you know, maybe maybe I was not doing the right thing. And that's one particular argument that I think it's interesting that you bring to the conversation mm-hmm. and taking that as kind of a, um, an important point of discussion with the teams at with company and the teams at Toino, uh, because it's a, always a point of discussion. It seems like we also stand. Like if I look at with company, I was talking about this the other day. Like if I look at uh, our communication work and the things that we are doing, it's really interesting because it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. 
because you want to be inspiring, but you are a consultancy. Yeah. Uh, like you want to talk about community, but you are a private company. And so like the way we communicate tries to, you know, tries to be a lot of things at the same time. And I think we do it with, we know with a certain level of, I think we are good in doing it. This, to be honest, I think, I think we are good in, in finding the balance between being inspiring and talking about our work and the work we do with our clients. And we have lots of conversations with, with, with the teams, you know, we're working with big corporations and I go back I think it, it helps a lot the mm-hmm. this sentence that we use some some sometimes, which is what we care for is everyone's business. Uh, I don't know if you if you heard this somewhere, but it seems a little bit pedantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it it can it can seem a little bit pedantic because you know, why are these people just telling me what's important? Yeah. You know, like what we care for is everyone's business. But look at the conversation that we are having. We're, yeah. we're talking about impact. We're talking about the planet. We're talking about extinction. We're talking about maybe aging gracefully. We we didn't mention that, but I would I wouldn't mind. Uh, you wouldn't mm-hmm. mind probably. Mm-hmm. So, and I think all of these things are here. And yeah. it seemed like some of these topics were confined to us, you know, to some people in the last years. And I think today they're everywhere. I think it's impossible not to be concerned about all of these things, about, mm-hmm. you know, it's a systemic conversation. It's a never ending conversation. So what we do, to be honest, is that we try. Uh, there's a lot of incredible people working with us. Mm-hmm. And this is what I feel every day. Like we have many incredible people that are that that have personal concern about these topics mm-hmm. and when we give these people the space and the ability to manifest themselves in these projects for these big clients when we tell them you you this is what you believe in just take it no you have to consider you know it's a company you know they have their own rules consider the spectrum i also i sometimes i mention that you know consider the spectrum from 0 to 10 never commit to 0 never never mm-hmm. never never like if we were doing a project on um diversity and inclusion the client they will have to take a hundred decisions about that topic when designing mm-hmm. the, the new office for example mm-hmm. Those hundred decisions, none of them should stick to zero. They, they they should change something, even if it's a small thing, they should be able to change it. So this is the, the type of incentive that we have in, in, in these conversations is yeah. it's like you're in the system, but you're trying to change the system by, you know, by being there. You know, yeah. you know these clients are also coming to us by, because they recognize that, you know, because they recognize that we're coming from somewhere else. Like we are not coming from the type and the type of company and the type of consultancy that, you know, hires people from the same universities with the same background, thinking about the same things. We have a good mixture of people that think about business, that think about design, that think about ecology, that think about transformation, you know, and they're coming from from different places. And I think that's really beautiful to watch. It's interesting to see us influencing these big companies into becoming better companies. Because they will have no alternative. Like if you think about it, they will have, they don't have an alternative mm-hmm. to that. They really have to change. Mm-hmm. If you could speak across time now, 
what words would you share with your 20-year-old self, knowing what you know now? Would you have any words of wisdom, advice, suggestions, reflections? What would it be for you? Uh, I don't know, but I think I think I I already thought about saying that you would not change anything in your mm. life. You know, there's a moment in time when you say, I would not, you know, you listen to this a lot. I would not change anything. I don't know if I would, like, I think I would probably change a bunch of things, you know, I think I would, um, I don't know what, to be honest, but I, I would probably change some things. And, but I don't know what I would tell my, my, I, I think I would, Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs> it also communicates I, I something. Know. The silence yeah. also communicates. Yeah, yeah. You see, but but this is the jazz, you know. Like uh, what I would tell myself if I was if I was twenty. I think I explored so many things. I had so much fun. I met so many uh, incredible people. I I took risks, you know, and. And and I think in the end it's really interesting that in the middle of all of these things I find a criteria that it's kind of using the heart as as a mechanism of thinking mm. because it, this is something that I identify myself with as an entrepreneur, which is I have to relate with the things that I do. Like I cannot do a business for the sole reason of making money, or I don't know how to do that. I'm not an entrepreneur who knows mm -hmm. how to do that, to mm -hmm. be honest. So. I would still use, this sounds a little bit, uh, <laughs> but I would still use my heart to, mm -hmm. to um, as a way of taking decisions or, mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rui. Thank you. Uh, sorry for the chaotic, like it was so Not sorry. No, way. you were jazzing. You were jazzing. Thank you. Thank you for your openness. Rui Quinta is the co-founder of Toinu and With Company. To learn more about his work, you can visit ruiquinta.com. Waking Youth is an independent podcast and newsletter that you can find more about and contribute to at wakingyouth.substack.com. Our theme music is composed and produced by Carlos Sierra, who also edits our episodes, and I'm Carlota Gitch. If you like this episode, please consider sharing it with someone you think would appreciate it. And before you go, thank you for being with us today and talk to you next month. Bye! <laughs>